What I can do is I'll read through it. When I come across a new character, of which there's really not that many, I'll just tell who's playing them. Yeah, that's good. Because too. invariably, that's how we're going to refer to them. Right, no, because I don't remember anyone. No one's memorable, <laughs> except for Eris. Yep. All a bunch of doll doll dummies. Do they want to tell what the, what the dog's name is? Spike. Sin Dog. <laughs> I wish it was Sin Dog. Sin Dog would have been a much better name. <laughs> Okay, so you're uh, sin bad, and you're a sin dog too. If I ever had a dog, I'd name him Bread Dog. <laughs> oh my god, you should! <laughs> I think that'd be delightful. Um, Brendan and his Bread Dog. God, but I'll be like the gauntlet I throw down for rich. We can get a dog if I can call it Bread Dog. <laughs> Do you think he would go for it? <laughs> I Do don't you... think he would go for it at all. <laughs> Why do we watch this? The podcast where three seafaring chums watch a bad movie, talk about what they liked, what they didn't like, and fix it. Arr! All while enjoying a delicious themed cocktail. Myself, I am Brendan Pickles and Eggs Drishler. I'm Chris. Enough talking. Time for screaming. Ravel. And I am Lee. This movie was so memorable, I have no idea what other quotes there are to use for a nickname. <laughs> Mon Fair. The movie in fair. question, of course, is 2003's Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas, a DreamWorks animation movie directed by Tim Johnson and Patrick Gilmore, written by John Logan. I guess that is the uh, final screenwriter credited, although there were some other people thrown in there, too. And it's got Brad Pitt, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Joseph Fiennes. It's about Sinbad. You guys know Sinbad, right? Kids yeah, are uh, we're a comedian. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> that is what comes Son of a preacher man, great special on HBO. Yeah. He was in the movie Shazam. Yeah. <laughs> in the alternate universe. Yeah. The much better universe that we uh, can... And what did we get in this universe? Kazam. 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 Starring yeah. Shaquille O'Neal. That charismatic presence show. And, and, and do we get the Berenstain Bears or the... Well, we have the Berenstain Bears because that's what they are. Got it. Yes. Yeah, the Berenstain Bears are, are uh, their Jewish cousins. Yeah, are their Jewish... Yeah, they don't visit Santa Bear in that way. <laughs> to help us make a Sinbad Legend of the Seven Seas a bit more palatable, we of course... Of course. ...had a cocktail to go along with it. The cocktail that we made for it is called a Discord Fizz. It was... Three ounces of gin, two ounces of lemonade, two ounces of pomegranate juice, and some club soda. And you just mix the gin, lemonade, and pomegranate juice in a glass over ice, and then you top it with some club soda. And that's it. Very simple. Very drinkable. How about it? It was it was very drinkable though, and I got I got pretty fucking buzzed off of one. I didn't notice really anything for mine per se, but I drank it very slowly, mm. and I'm already so like uh, half dead today. Yeah, I feel you. Lack of sleep from the past few days. That that I was like, I don't want to, I don't need to enhance this feeling by drinking more alcohol. So mm. it's, it does, it has a nice like taste. I feel like I don't taste any of the alcohol really when I drink it. Um, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I was getting some of the effects of it because I am, uh, I was very sleepy and I remain very sleepy. <laughs> but um, I thought it was it's, great though. It's got a nice like, it's it's a nice fruity, citrusy taste. Yes. Yeah, I would have gone. I think if I had done again, a touch more pomegranate, a touch less lemonade, perhaps. Yes. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's just me. I think. Otherwise, I thought it was delicious. Yeah. Uh, I think great for warm weather. It was light and fruity. Yeah. Smooth. Straightforward to make, which I appreciate, frankly. Yeah. Very simple. Much like this movie. 
Yes. <laughs> very simple, but very powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, could you give us a synopsis of what Sinbad Legend of the Seven Seas is about since no one has ever seen this movie before? I, I could and I will. Uh, Sinbad and his pirate crew attempt to steal the magical Book of Peace that protects the kingdom of Syracuse, Sicily, and hold it for ransom before retiring to Fiji. To Sinbad's surprise, he discovers the book is protected while on board to Syracuse by his old friend, Prince Proteus, whom Sinbad had drifted away from without ever giving a reason. Proteus confronts Sinbad and appeals to his better nature, telling him to prove if their friendship ever meant anything to him. But Sinbad tries to steal the book regardless, only prevented from doing so when Cetus attacks the ship. That's the sea monster. Yeah, see, this, it's a big sea monstery thing. And mm-hmm. It's like a Cthulhu-y... When Seti attacks the ship. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's found extra trust your life, and it was on the boat. Yeah. The two would team up to defeat Cetus, uh, fighting together just like they used to, and reigniting the sparks of their old friendship until Sinbad is pulled into the ocean by the monster. Proteus goes to save Sinbad, but is stopped by his crew. Underwater, Sinbad meets the beautiful goddess of Discord, Eris, who offers him unimaginable riches in exchange for bringing the Book of Peace to her realm of Tartarus. Sinbad agrees, sailing to Syracuse with his crew to steal the book, but has second thoughts after seeing Proteus with his fiancée, Lady Marina, and rounds up his crew to leave. Anticipating this, Eris impersonates Sinbad and steals the book herself, framing the pirate Sinbad for the theft. Sinbad is sentenced to death, whereupon Proteus sends Sinbad to retrieve the book instead, trusting him to do the right thing and placing himself as a hostage, while Marina stows away to make sure that Sinbad keeps his word. To prevent them from succeeding, Eris sends a group of mythical sirens to entrance and seduce the men aboard Sinbad's ship to their death with their hypnotic singing voices, As the only one unaffected, Marina navigates the ship to safety, saving the lives of the entire crew. While Marina is welcomed by the crew into their midst, Sinbad's pettiness causes the two to clash, especially when he remains too proud to acknowledge or even thank her for saving them. When Eris sends a rock that captures Marina... Uh, the big bird rock, not the rock rock. Sinbad tries Wait, to rescue her. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sinbad tries to rescue her, but inadvertently hampers Marina's escape. Managing to flee the rock by chance, the two start to warm up to each other. In a brief moment of peace, Marina reveals to Sinbad that she always dreamed of life on the sea, while Sinbad reveals that he distanced himself from Proteus a decade earlier because he fell in love with Marina, even though he knew she was to be married to Proteus. Then they reach Tartarus, where Eris reveals that her plan was always to maneuver Proteus into Sinbad's place, thereby leaving Syracuse without an heir. When Sinbad insists on taking the book back, she makes him a deal. If he answers one question truthfully, she will give him the book and let him go, giving him her word she will honor the bargain and making it unbreakable to go back on, even for a goddess. Wait, Chris, I have a question. When hmm. a goddess gives her word, is that, like, always bound? It is. Okay. Yeah, they cannot go back on it. Okay, it's unbreakable. Cool. I wasn't sure. When Sinbad accepts, Eris asks him what he will do if he doesn't get the book, namely if he will flee Syracuse to live with Marina or return to die in Proteus's place. When he answers he will return, Eris calls him a liar, withholds the book, and returns him and Marina to the mortal world. Ashamed, Sinbad admits that Eris is right, truly believing himself to be a selfish, black-hearted liar. While Marina pleads for Sinbad to flee and save his life, admitting her feelings for him, Sinbad makes the decision to return to Syracuse. As the time allotted to Sinbad's return elapses, Proteus accepts his fate and readies himself to be beheaded. At the last minute, Sinbad arrives and takes his place, but is himself saved when an enraged heiress suddenly appears and shatters the executioner's sword. Stunned, Sinbad realizes that he upheld his end of the bargain after all. 
Unable to go back on her word, Eris reluctantly surrenders the Book of Peace to Simbad before leaving to sow chaos and discord elsewhere. With the true culprit of the theft revealed, Simbad is absolved of the crime and pardoned by Dymas, the king of Syr Syracuse. With the book restored to Syracuse, Simbad and his crew prepared to leave on another voyage, leaving Marina behind with Proteus. Unbeknownst to him, Proteus sees that Marina has fallen deeply in love with Simbad and life on the sea and frees her from their arranged engagement, sending her to join Simbad's ship. Marina surprises Simbad by revealing her presence on the ship just as it sets sail and the two share a kiss. Now together, they and the crew set out on another long voyage as they sail into the sunset. Real quick, I just want to point something out. The line, unbeknownst to him, Proteus sees that Marina has fallen deeply in love with Simbad. The in love is hyperlinked, if you were wondering what that meant and <laughs> wanted love? to go read the Wikipedia. What, what is love? Well, let's say good luck. Romance, parenthetical love, is an emotional feeling of love for or a strong attraction toward another person. I'm sorry, so love is it a feeling of love? Yeah, I think that's a shitty definition. <laughs> I also, I meant to do this as I went along, but I failed to. Uh, Brad Pitt is Sinbad. Catherine Zeta-Jones is Lady Marina. Michelle Pfeiffer is Eris. Joseph Fiennes is Prince Proteus. Dennis Haysbert is Kale, a very minor character. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's, that's it. Everyone else is just like a voice actory type guy doing yeah. a small character who you don't know or care about. I have like two things real quick I'm curious about right off the bat. So one... I feel like I mentioned this when we were watching the movie the first time, but during the part where Eris is doing her thing where she's like, now tell the truth, if you don't get the book, will you go back to die in Proteus's place? And Sinbad's like, yep, I definitely will. And she's like, no, you are full of shit. So what if he had just said, no, I wouldn't go back to die in his place and then take the book because he answered truthfully and then just go back and give it to him? Well, that's, feels the, like... that's the first part, and then the second part is that the idea that he he like brings the he goes back anyway, mm -hmm. and because he goes back, he's honoring his words, and therefore you have to give the book back. But Why is like, he surprised about there's that? There's no way? stake to that because right. he he could have just like chess moved that out, like yeah. right? like I'll just say that, and now that I'm being bound to, I there's no emotional, like, tenseness for me to go back because I know that I can just get the book back and I'm not actually undone. Yeah, it also happens, like, really weirdly quickly where he says, like, he says, yes, I will. Eris is like, you will not. You're a bad person. Boo upon you. And then he, like, ends up on a little desert island with Marina for a brief moment. Yeah. And Marina's like, you gotta go away. He's like, nope, I guess I will go back. Like, where the fuck did that come from? You just oh, said no. that, like, you won't go back. It also is just surprising to me that he seemed surprised, like, oh my god, you're right, I did keep my word. I was like, yeah, I thought that's, I thought you knew that, and that's why you came back? Yeah, Sinbad's kind of a colossal dummy. <laughs> yeah, true. So is Eris. Everyone is. is. I feel like Eris is uh, pretty much throwing out her uh, word is her bond thing pretty willy-nilly there. Yeah. You well, can probably just uh, not do it. And she, she makes it with the attitude as if, like, these fools think they're going to hold me to it. And then it turns out, yeah. <laughs> they do. Yeah, they are going to hold you to it. And they can. Yeah. <laughs> Who could have seen my inevitable failure? Yeah. Uh, all right. So what I guess I want to start off with here is sort of like the... Uh, mythology of Sinbad a little bit and the sort of general mythological melange that they're throwing at this movie in order to make it sort of feel appropriate. Um, you guys know anything about Sinbad, like the character? Nope. Yeah. Vague. Yeah, me neither, really. Um, I have looked into it when I suggested we watch this movie, and it really just is like he is a guy. He went on seven voyages around the sea. Uh, weird shit happened to him. He got very rich. It's part of the 1001 Arabian Nights stories. Um, very little of that seems to have gotten into this movie. The most I can really say in terms of uh, lifted voyages are... The thing that he does in this movie when they're on uh, 
They think they're on an island, and it turns out to be a big anglerfish, right. which in the stories, it's a whale. Uh, and also the rock, which is the enormous bird, was also something that uh, factored into right. the Japanese. And that's pretty much it, right? Like, this whole thing about Eris showing up and trying to trick him into stealing the book, even though he doesn't need to, because she could just do it herself, and there's yeah. no real reason for him to be there anyway, blah, blah, blah. I digress. Um, that's basically it for Sinbad. Everything else in this movie, this movie doesn't really seem to take a whole lot from, like, the OG Sinbad concept of this sort of, like, Middle Eastern-y character. Yes. Either, like, I I don't know if it's, like, true Middle East or Turkish or something like that, but Sinbad in this version seems to be playing more with, like, a Greco-Roman sort of story. Yes. Because, obviously, Eris is there. And it's like, I get get that there could be some kind of, like, crossover, right? Because it's all in the Mediterranean. Yeah, sure, like, you guys are all friends. Yes, of course. But there was a lot of interchange over time, I guess, is what I'm saying. And, like, sure, I accept that. But just in terms of what this movie does with it, there's no reason for this to be a Sinbad film. Yeah. Um, Everything that they use is Greco-Roman. Eris is a Greco-Roman goddess. Syracuse is firmly in the European side of the Mediterranean. There is, like, that council of nobles who are, like, all over the, the map. The UN of That's true. Yeah, there, there's, times. like, a sort of, like... The Mediterranean council. Yeah, yeah, looking one right. with, like, a turban. Or right, something. there's, like, a dark-skinned woman. There is some yeah. sort of, like, East Asian-looking guy. There's, like, a red-haired, like, Viking-looking dude. <laughs> there is! I noticed that there there's, like, all. a big red-haired, like, beard. Yeah. He looks really Viking-y. <laughs> they, because, they were all, all friends. The way, because all the way back then, all the countries got along. Yeah, they yeah. loved each other. And Vikings definitely communicated. <laughs> they definitely fucking went to Syracuse to like see how the book of they, was doing. Yeah. They definitely engaged in diplomacy. Yeah, yeah, and they definitely made it down that far. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, it's, it's it's pretty easy, right? Yeah, um, they were all about boats, and there's definitely not like a gigantic continent. Of no, I mean it's pretty easy, right? You just go around it. Yeah, how long could that possibly take? And it's like, sure, okay, it's a fantasy. We're gonna bend some of that stuff anyway. But I guess. There's nothing in here that's appreciably Sinbad, so why did you use it? What it and it's not even a it's not an IP that was recognizable to anyone anyway. No, would it surprise you to know that this was not originally a Sinbad story? What and was it? Became a Sinbad story. So what I have read about this, um, the there, there's like a final credited screenplay writer, which is John Logan, and there are two guys who I think have some sort of like story by credit, um, Terry Rossio and I think Ted Elliott is the other guy's name, who have done like a lot of shit, like a lot of screenplays, like they did Aladdin. Mm. They did, I'm pretty sure they did National Treasure. They did Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like, these are guys who are, like, known for making sort Very of, like, big action Right, yeah. Like, the sort of thing that you think this kind of wants to be. So my understanding was that they had originally, they had worked on Aladdin. After Aladdin came out and made a lot of money, they were like, do you think you guys would want to do a Sinbad movie next? Disney was like, yeah, sure. Like, why don't you try writing that? We'll see what happens. It didn't go anywhere. Years later, they came up with this story. And what the story is based upon is, and I want to get this right, Damien and Pythias. Are you familiar? No. So the Damien and Pythias thing... Damien and Pythias? Yeah. The Damien and Pythias thing comes to play from, like, the whole uh, part of this story where Sinbad is framed for stealing the Book of Peace. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Yeah. It is. I swear to God, I can never... Book of Life, I keep wanting to call it. Anyway. Yeah. Where Sinbad is framed for it, and then Proteus comes up and is like, take me in his place. Like, you go find the thing that you're supposed to have stolen, and if you don't come back in however many days, I'll get killed instead. So, like, that is what that story basically is. It's and two guys... What is that origin? Damien and Pythias? Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't actually know what it is. It's Greek, really it says here. here. Okay. Uh, it's a legend in the Greek historical writings uh, illustrating the Pythagorean idea of friendship. Right. Pythias is accused of and charged with plotting against the tyrannical Dionysus I of Syracuse. Pythias requests Dionysus to be allowed to settle his affairs. 
on the condition that his friend Damon be held hostage, and should he, not Pythias, return, be executed in his stead. When Pythias returns, Dionysus, amazed by the love and trust in their friendship, frees them both. Do you want to be named after a god? I guess so, if you're like hot shit, right? <laughs> the other thing is, if you keep reading at that at some point, it also mentions like how in some versions of the story, Dionysus was like, hey, like, can I be your third friend too? And they're like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> like, so like, this would be like, want to make this a crowd, fellas? <laughs> um, I love that. Oh, honestly, that would be a fun way to play that in a right. kind of adaptation. And so that's kind of like the genesis of this story is that they liked that as a concept and well, their other they... thought was like maybe we can make this into like a romantic triangle where there's like <laughs> a woman involved and it's kind of, and I agree that at that point you're kind of like eh, like I, I don't know if we really need to do, like throw all this in I there. I mean not only that but also it, the silly part to me about that is the story that it's based on and I think the story that it keeps trying to put a lot of its emotional backbone into is this friendship but it has so little to do with anything that happens in the movie. Yeah, it's Proteus a, isn't around for most of it. It's, it's a bad see... friendship in the movie because I don't know who they are and I don't care about them. Yeah. yeah. So my understanding was that like they basically had this pitch. They went to Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was running DreamWorks at that point. And they were like, this is a thing that we had kind of talked about doing with Disney, but like maybe you'd want to do this instead. He's like, great, I've always wanted to do a Sinbad movie. And they were like, oh, this isn't a Sinbad movie. He's like, nope, now it is. It started off as, you know, basically kind of a take on this one mythological story. Sinbad got grafted onto it. And what it ended up kind of being from just sort of reading over... This um, they, they have a fairly long synopsis of what the original version of the story was. I don't want to read the whole thing. Just going through it briefly, you have Eris, who, of course, this version of the movie had. But you also had Janus, who was involved in this, too, the god Janus. Mm -hmm. And their whole thing was that Eris was like, humans are essentially sacks of crap, and they're bad people. And, like, that's always the way they are. And Janus was like, no, I don't think that's true. I think deep down they're very good. And let's see if we can prove our point. So Those are such interesting off-the-beaten-path choices. It is, like, what Eris is, and Janus. Right, I mean, like, I get Eris because Eris is a goddess of, like, discord and chaos. But, like, Very Janus easy is, like, to make as your villainess. Right, and, like, but, like, with Janus, it's kind of like, well, what are you doing here? Like, what's, Janus. like... Janus He's is the like, god of crossroads? Yeah, like, it's, like, the two-headed god, the two-faced god. Mm -hmm. And it's just sort of like, I, I don't get why you have a horse in this race at this well, point. Well, I, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it kind of makes sense of, like, uh... Wanting people to choose the right path. Path. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be. I'm not like really saying that that's like a huge argument I have, but I feel like there are more obvious choices if you were going through like the Greek pantheon of gods. Yeah. That, like there are other ones who I think are probably a little more diametrically opposed to Eris. Anyway, so the way it's happening in this version is that in Syracuse, the king is about to die. The beautiful ambassador Roxanne, who is what Marina was called arrives bearing the magical book of the fates the book of the fates will reveal the name of the next king of the seven cities the person best suited to rule the land everyone assumes the book of fates will name proteus as the new king as he's regarded as the finest man in syracuse everything after that kind of goes very similar it has the same sort of thing where eris is the one who frames sinbad for stealing the book which we can uh get into in a little bit <laughs> the, the way it kind of works here is that um roxanne goes along with him she again fears that sinbad will simply sail away and never come back sinbad sets off on a quest to clear his name in the course of the journey sinbad and roxanne work together depend on each other admire each other and fall in love but they both refuse to admit it because roxanne has already declared her love for proteus and proteus is sinbad's best friend who is willing to die in his place so they can't not be in love the whole thing where they go to tartarus in this version instead of the question where eris says like if you don't get the book will you go back which he says instead is, are you in love with Roxanne? And Sinbad says that he, like, cannot answer that question. And then he says, like, no, I'm not. And she's like, you're full of shit. You're definitely in love with Roxanne. Like, d don't give me that crap. Roxanne knows that Sinbad's in love with her. They travel back. Sinbad does not have the Book of Fates. He has to face the Executioner. 
at that point, then Janice appears and is like, well, Eris was wrong. Like, you proved that you are a good person. You right. failed back even though you didn't get the book and you had to die. She was wrong. And I'm coming here to, like, deus ex machina everything up again, basically. Okay. They open the book of the fates to see who's going to be the new king. And it's like, what? Roxanne's going to be the new king, a lady king. And the other key difference here in this version is that Sinbad and Roxanne slash Marina do not end up together. They end with basically like Sinbad realizes that falling in love with a woman is not the ultimate thing, you know? Like Mm -hmm. she has her own thing that she wants to do. Like a story does not depend upon two characters falling in love for it to be like a complete journey for a character. Yeah. Which... Makes a lot more sense, I think, which is a lot yeah. more interesting of an ending. And it's the opposite. Well, that's also, especially with the relationship, that's the opposite choice this, the movie we got makes, which is, I mean, oh, did you guys want the perfunctory romance? Here you go. Completely unmarketable. No, it is. That's like basically what they say is apparently at some point studio executives were like, oh no, like they, they have to end up together. Yeah. You can't not have like the main character in an animated movie, like not get the yeah, girl Yeah, I mean, this end. isn't like fancy auteur blockbuster maybe. Right, you know? right. This is like an animated kids movie. You right. Can't, like break these kind of yeah it's like I feel like you can either sort of have them get together or you can have it not be a romantic pairing at any given point yes. and like that's fine you can't do the like oh we admit that we love each other but we can't be together right, it's right, not a kids animated movie right it's thing. not like yeah it's not like fucking gone with the wind or Romeo and Juliet or something right, like, like you can't do that yeah so that was something that, like, you know, they ended up changing. They, like, the screenwriters were like, well, this is, like, ruining the entire premise of the stories we had written it. And just sort of, this is what we have to do to make this a remarkable movie. Then, you know, yeah. another screenwriter comes along, takes over it, blah, 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 blah. That's kind of the gist of how this movie became what it was and where it started off as yeah. a jumping off point. To be honest, I think they're, they're both kind of hot messes. I, I don't yeah. think that the original one is something that I would have liked a whole lot more. Yeah. I think it's a little more coherent, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not fond of the idea that, like, another god just has to come in at the end and be like, well, I'm I'm okay with this. I co-signed this and I'm just going to make everything better suddenly. I'll fix this all. Don't worry about it. You guys just do what you want to do. There's some like interesting fun things in there but I I don't think it's a better version. I think it's a different version. I think the one thing that kind of I like is that the Book of Fates kind of matters more whereas in this version it's the Book of Peace. They don't even stop to tell us what it does. Right. It's just like why is it a Book of Peace? Like why is it a book? What does it matter? Why why is it here? Why is it not here? Why does it seem like sunlight and goodness are dependent on it? Yes, exactly. I don't know. And if it goes away, then everything turns cloudy, again. Without it, things just turned cloudy, but that seemed to be it. We didn't see suddenly, like, war begin to happen. Yeah, well, I mean... That would be interesting, huh? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it would almost also, like... If anything happened. It could also... I could also see a version of this where it's, like, it's not a magical object. It's just, like, an object that everyone has placed, like, such, like, reverence upon, you know? That, like, if it were to go missing, yeah. it would be viewed as such a an offense against the peace that they have between these kingdoms. That, yeah. like, there's nothing magic about it. It's just that, like, this is an object that matters to us all. And the fact that someone has stolen it means that, you know, things something's going amiss with our right. tenuous arrangement that we have here. MacGuffins are a whole other thing, which we can kind of get into also later on. But that's the basic premise of the story as it once existed. <laughs> well, <laughs> a slight improvement, but it has its own issues, I think. Yeah, I, I think they're both bad. It, it's strange to me also that after Aladdin came out, that they would, like, pitch this to Disney, and Disney would be like, yeah, this is a good idea, because this reminds me so much of Aladdin. Like, it feels yeah. so similar to Aladdin in terms of, like, location and sort of characters, right, where you have the swap buckling sort of really cool guy as the lead and the 1% woman who's like, no, but I, I, I'm more than just a princess. Like, I want to do things How dare you? Yeah, I have a personality beyond, like, singing nicely and wearing pretty dresses. Yeah. And it feels a lot like that. It's very sort of strange to me. Right on the tails of Aladdin, Disney would be like, yeah, let's make something that's kind of almost like Aladdin. It's which also... probably is why it didn't happen at Disney. Right. Well, I was also going to say it's, like, also the most rote version of that, where... 
it, they're barely doing more than just invoking the stereotype. They have her go through a lot of those kind of typical girl power moments um, in a way that really just, it's, that's just an example of it. Yeah, she's sort of like weak Jasmine and yeah. like Sinbad is sort of a weak Aladdin. Like Aladdin and Jasmine actually had like backgrounds and stakes. Yeah, and, Aladdin like, has like, some traits. level of self-doubt to him, which Sinbad doesn't really, like they like they play, they pay lip service to Sinbad, like, I, I don't know, having a conscience, I guess, and Sinbad being sure that he doesn't. And I guess that's kind of the most character conflict Sinbad has in this movie. Also, yeah. I, don't, I don't know anything about the real Sinbad, but I mm. thought he was just a sailor. So, like, yeah. the, the idea that he was a thief didn't even need to be part of it. He could just be, like... That's the Aladdin connection. A sort of, like, you know, I, I sail around the way my Right, like, I found a treasure, and yeah. now I have a treasure. He just does cool sailing stuff. Yeah, I mean, that is pretty much it. The, like, the thief thing does seem like it's kind of grafted on from the idea of who Aladdin was as a character. And yeah. what made Aladdin work as a character... Yeah, I don't really know why Sinbad was so compelling to executives or. I don't. I think it literally just must be like this sort of thing of like name recognition, right? Like we're like. They... Yes, but I, I, if you tell me if you see Sinbad, I'm gonna think of the comedian. <laughs> I'm gonna think of like a Middle Eastern. Especially at that time, it was a real missed opportunity not having Sinbad voice Sinbad. I you know. know. Uh, that would have been good, huh? That would have been very funny. I think it's probably... If I remember correctly, and I could be mistaken, wasn't there, like, a Harryhausen Sinbad movie from the 60s? Yes. So, like, I feel like that's probably why, like, Baby Boomer executives would have uh, been like, oh, yeah, I remember I remember seeing that Sinbad movie when I was a kid, and it was so cool. Like, I wish I could do a movie like that. And that's probably why something like this gets greenlit at the end of the day. Yeah. Looking it up now. Now all I get is the fucking animated movie, but I Same. fucking vaguely remember I think it's called, like, The Seven Voyages of Sinbad. I might be mistaken. Old. I was gonna say old. Old Sinbad. Oh, yeah, yeah, 1958. I also, okay. It also just sort of seems like there was um, a general episodic nature to the stories that the movie also just sort of failed to capitalize on. I mean, it is, right? Because, like, if you look at those original stories, it's just Sinbad went a-sailing, he encountered a thing, he got something <laughs> out of it, then he went back home very wealthy. Right. And it's like, then he decided to do it again. Like, well, and by the way, that's not a terrible framework to start with, but... It's just so weird that they don't even really do anything with it in the movie. Like, I mean, you could have you could have made being on top of that anglerfish an adventure. You could have made the rock more of an adventure. Like, any of these could have been more than just a set piece. Yeah, I, I mean, the th I, I think a lot of this goes back to the discussion we had had when we were talking about adapting fairy tales, which is that, like, so many of them don't really have a story unto themselves, that they're not trails that sustain themselves beyond more than, like, a few minutes, you know? That, mm -hmm. like... If you were to, you know, sit around the fire and tell someone the story of, like, oh, Sinbad went to sailing and he encountered this big bird. It was so fucking big. You can't <laughs> even imagine how big this bird was. But then he found a treasure and went back home. I bet, like, sure, at the time, you'd be like, yeah, that, that's a really fun story. Like, Listen, I bro. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine how fucking big that bird must have been. But, like, nowadays, it's just sort of like, well, okay, if you want to incorporate that into your story, like, what's the framework for this? Is the framework literally just... Sinbad went sailing, then he found the thing, then he found the thing, then he found the thing. I mean, yeah. that's frankly, like, what... It sounds like that's what a, a lot of the fucking stories are. Right. I mean, that's... Yeah. And so, like, it, it is, but it's just sort of like, if you don't have a stronger backbone to string that upon, then, like, what, what are you doing? I know. You know? I, I just... Again, that's why I continue to not understand it beyond, like, yo, I saw this movie, there was cool shit, there was a fucking giant bird, it was badass. 
why you'd feel so compelled to like. We love that bird. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we do stand the rock. We do stand our big bird. Yes, we stand a big bird. Yeah. It would have been much more enduring if the bird had been much more like an actual bird. Enormous, goofy ass, like, house pet <laughs> who just, like, gets distracted by seeing its own reflection, like, sitting out defeats it by holding well, up, like, a how, mirror. That's when it would be a real Disney movie. Because yeah. That's what Disney does. Yeah. Big, goofy birds. Right. That's true. It would be, like, it would be a fun little subversion, wouldn't it? If it was, like, this enormous, terrifying thing. But it then, was like, just a bird. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, it just has, like, see its reflection. The ice is like, Rrr, yeah, Rrr. <laughs> it's silver, like, pecking at the ice, and then it causes an avalanche. Yeah, and then maybe like at the end, the rock comes back and like helps them in some way because it's just like yeah. it's a fun little bird. I feel like the rock is also a good way to talk about uh, seeing very, very early days CG against two D animation. Yeah, so this is again, this was what 03, I think, is what I yes. said. Yeah, so this was clearly like a very like a time period where we really had not found a way to organically mix the two together, and I'm uh, we're still not really there because I think at that point was we're making 2D movies and we want to have some 3D elements in them but we haven't quite worked out how to do it and now it's we're making 3D movies and we want to give it more 2D elements which right. I think is something that kind of works a little bit better. Yes. It looks a little bit more consistent, I think. Um, in this case, it was interesting because uh, initially your eye does not see how much of what you're seeing is CG um, which almost goes a lot away to saying like, hey, some of the CG in this is actually like fine. I think some of the simpler... CG pieces were okay. I think a standout was the bird. Yeah. Uh, the bird was a really, the rock rather, was a really good balance between the style of the 2D look, but using clearly a CG model. Yeah. But where it fell apart would be things like uh, Cetus in the beginning looked awful. Yeah. Truly looked like a weird, uh, like almost like the first Mortal Kombat movie level CG just coming in there. The CG around uh, the boat at various times got pretty weird. Yeah, I think the CG of the boats is pretty egregiously bad. Mm. Like, I get why you would do it because you would do it because it's easier to keep consistent, it's mm. easier to animate around it when you're not like fucking hand drawing an entire goddamn boat. But like at no point does it ever look like an organic boat. It just looks like a CGI creation that was plopped into the scene. I think the the one bit of like animation success we see is around Eris, which I, she has a really interesting look. The two things I thought they did, uh, which are really cool, is she's always moving to some degree, typically with her hair. Uh, underwater or something at all times. Yeah. At all times. And it's always kind of changing shape and thickness and density. And uh, the other thing I really liked, and I, did, I, I was looking for this and I didn't see it happen a lot. It seems like they were just only did kind of reverse conversation shots with her character. And I thought that was interesting how they were trying to create something that looked more realistic. Because there were a bunch of shots of her uh, talking to Sinbad. And you would see, I think, to show you how much bigger she was than oh, him, I see. Yeah. the kind of the side of her face while we're looking at him while he's delivering his line. And I thought that was sort of at least the one little bit of like clever quote unquote camera work in this of trying to create that kind of effect. Yeah. That I thought that was actually successful. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think most of the 2D animation here is like fine. Like yeah. something to write home about again. Eris, again, is the one exception that I have to this sort of thing where I, I love the way she moves. I love the way that she kind of like swirls out and dissolves back into one coherent goddess, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like she kind of like dissolves sort of and swirls back in together. It's really just sort of a neat effect. Uh, everything else aside from that is just kind of like, eh, it's fine. You know, like yep. it's fine. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing great about it. Mediocre. Yeah, I don't like a lot of the design choices. No, I agree. A lot of the design choices are not great. Uh, the one thing I, I kept sort of... Well, I really, I just want to say I really hate the choice to make the dog like disgusting. Oh yeah, to like slobbering all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't like that. Okay. 
apparently, according to IMDb, if one can believe it, in test screenings, the dog pulled better than Sinbad. So they <laughs> added more scenes of the dog to accommodate the fact that like kids were like, yeah, this is what we want. Oh yeah, my god, I believe it. More of Sin Dog, please. I, I I agree with you. It is it's it's unpleasant, you know, to That's like look gross. at it's like it's just constantly drooling and then like when it gets cold, the drool turns into icicles. Yeah, I wonder and if that's like meant to appeal to like boys. It probably is. Right? Like, there's also like the fucking disgusting eye scene where like yes. the eye is super gross and sticky, right. and then the dog's and the dog, oh, yeah, the dog like licks so up the eye. Ugh. I think so unpleasant. Oh, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. he stomps so around in it. And no. the tree sap is also there's just a lot of it's like so gooey. There's you a lot of mucusy goo. In yeah, there's a lot I'm of not goo. into it. I no, think, I agree. I think at the time they must have thought this will look so incredible. I think a lot of it is just like pitched off. to the idea of like what a ten-year-old boy would think is really yeah, fucking right. cool. Boys love fucking gross shit. Right. So you've got that. You've got like the dog licking up the eye goo, and he's drooling all the time. And you've got like the ship has fucking blades on the side of it to pop out. Like how fucking badass is that ship? It has blades on the side. Do you understand <laughs> how many blades it has? And like Rat is like this little weirdo oh, ethnic yes. ambiguous character who is constantly like dangling from a rope, and he's like always like swinging around the ship. And there's that one scene where he's lighting all the lamps on the ship by just, like, swinging around in his rope and coming by with his torch and hitting him as he goes by. Like, fucking rat. He's so fucking cool. But seriously, though, we do stand rat. Also, we love rat. Yes. Kale and his giant nips. Yeah, Kale and his giant pointy nips. <laughs> Giant nips. Yeah. Giant nips. I mean, yeah. Even when they're not talking about the big point of the movie, they are just like gigantic. No, they are. Uh, again, as like Marissa Wampler would say, dinner plates. This, <laughs> this aerial is the size of dinner plates. Like they're just gigantic. It is. You can't like not focus. It's like how um. It's very distracting. I was gonna say like it's like how like uh, certain animals have like false eyes on their yeah. body to draw their attention away. <laughs> and his skill in battle is he has these enormous nips, so that his enemies will be like, oh, his eyes are down here. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be uh, great if that was a lot of... Excuse me, my eyes are down here. <laughs> <laughs> look at my eyes. Look at my, my nips. Look at my nips. Oh, the one character design that I wanted to single out is just being particularly kind of boring is Proteus, who has, like, a weird-ass long face. It's something I find very strange, and I feel like this is a thing in a lot of the DreamWorks movie of this time period, where a lot of the characters have this sort of strange house style of having, like, eyes that were, like, a little too far up on their head. And close. Yeah. And close. Like, I think it's it's something that comes up in Prince of Egypt, and in Prince of Egypt at the time, I just thought it was, like, a stylized thing to make it look more, like, hieroglyphics or yes, something. Yes, I did, too. But then when you see something like this, it's like, oh, no, is this just, like, how you draw people? Like, is this just the way you think people look? Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it, there's just something very I don't know unpleasant about that for me (laughs) I can't can't quite uh, elaborate upon it I also just it it looks almost uncanny valley-ish it's weird how little is going on in that face it it looks weird Uh, it makes Proteus and his dad look pretty much the same they are yeah basically like his dad Um, just has like a beard but they're the same face I think it also just it contributes to this feeling of just kind of laziness and tepidness and just sort of meh that goes throughout this whole thing. So, like, so much of this movie is, like, thin and boring to me that, of course, one of the main characters you barely see has a really tepid, boring face. Yeah. I remember hearing when they were, like, designing Aladdin and when they were designing Flynn Rider in Rapunzel how they were, like, consulting with the women at Disney Studios and being like, now, like, which one's more attractive? Like, this one or this one? And trying to find, like, the most attractive version of this animated character to put on screen. But here it just sort of feels like everyone's just kind of average looking. Yeah. It really stands out as being particularly, like, interesting to look at. Except for Eris. 
Sorry? Except for right. hands. Yeah, no, but she's a goddess. But I'm saying in terms of, like, the people. Like, the one thing I think that is kind of interesting about Marina is she has short hair. Yes. And, like, that, that's Isn't such it a... cut at some point? I don't think so. I thought it was, like... Or is that just done off or something? I, I like, in the beginning, her hair is, like, pulled back or something. Yeah. But then when she shows up on the ship, it's just short. I so, thought it... Because it looks different when she first gets on versus when she gets out of the um, cargo hold. Oh, uh, I, I... Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about, but she definitely has short hair in the scene. Oh, uh, I thought... It does feel, right? On, that like, it, it feels like, like that scene wants that you to, like, look at her and be like... Something's different now, yeah. right? It's not. It's just her again. <laughs> I was just like thinking. That's a really good point. It's interesting that her hair is short because I feel like that's not something you see in like kids' anime movies. A lot of, like women with short True. hair, unless they're like yeah. you know like unless they're aggressively trying to say something. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So like it's kind of interesting, I guess, that your female lead has a very short haircut. That's damning with faint praise at this point for the character design. In yeah, no, Sinbad is also pretty boring. He is, yes. right? It's Literally, just, if you didn't have facial hair, there would be nothing happening on that face. Yeah, I no. I don't like anyone's eyes. I don't like the way they do eyes in general. I think everyone has these big, dumb, vacant-looking eyes. Yes. Yeah, their eyes, their eyes. I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, their eyes just don't convey emotion very well or something. Yeah, they look sort of like doll eyes. Yeah, it's just flat. And I, I don't know, like, I'm not an animator. I can't tell you how to do this correctly, but I can tell you how not to do it. And I would say, look at their eyes. That's not right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's just, I mean, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe DreamWorks was right to stop doing 2D animated movies at a certain point to be like, this is our bread and butter now. 3D CGI, that's what we got to do at this point. I, yeah. I, I did, like, you know, this movie didn't make me miss it, but just having to, to talk about 2D versus 3D animation, it did sort of make me miss... 2D animated movies. I mean, somewhere. it does. I, I do. I do miss you know. And obviously, this is just an uh, exclusively an American thing for the most part. Yeah. And we don't really do it anymore. Has anyone watched the? We were talking about movies, but has yeah. anyone watched the Tangled Animated show? Because uh, no, I've seen an episode or two. I've heard it's supposed to be pretty fun. Yeah, it is pretty fun. Uh, the one thing I do like about like the look of it is it reminds me of the end credits of Tangled. That's what I yeah because yeah. that's when I first when they first announced it I was like holy shit because I love the end credits. Yeah, of Tangled I think so the end credits have like a really neat look to them. Yeah, and, so and, they, and the animation follows that aesthetic yeah, pretty much. Which which I think was a really nice touch. Yeah. Do you know how like fucking like do you know that like Tiana is getting an animated series on Disney Plus now? Oh, why not? They're Disney Plus. Disney's got money. I know, right? Just like shit. So. You might as well give everyone a series at this point. Do you know what the what the plot is going to be? Uh, I I know nothing it's about just, it. Yeah, it's just a cooking show. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, like, actually, it's the first time. I don't know, it was just, like, a instructional cooking show. Yeah. Like, every now and then, like, Lewis the Alligator shows, like, oh, hey, Lewis, do you have a recipe for our audience to try? Amazing. Like, like, Frog Naveen shows up. (laughs) Some mushroom recipe. Well, we never found out what country Naveen was. Uh, Maldonia, but, like, who knows where that is, right? Like, I don't know. Someplace, somewhere. Yeah, it's a sort of, like, Hallmark movie. Yeah, exactly, right. Next to Genovia and wherever the fuck it was in Christmas Prince. Remember the days when, like, Aladdin and all of those shows were so fucking good and we watched all of them? Yeah. I mean, they need another one. Maybe that, you know, Tangled, I don't know if it, like, ascends to those heights, but I watched, like, a lot of season one and it's fun. I should see. I mean, like, I think the thing with Aladdin, like, is a premise that feels like it lends itself well to a weekly TV show where it's yeah. like, you can just see some more weird ass magical shit show up. Like, you right. know, obviously. Yeah. Whereas, suppose, like, with Beauty and the Beast, it's like, I don't know, what's your That's TV show? That's where we did it. Do after that. Yeah. was a weird one. Timon and Pumbaa was a bizarre. I love Timon and Pumbaa, but it is so weird because it breaks all the rules of the Lion King universe yeah because like, it's like exist. it's set in like modern times right like well, which I mean like I guess I don't know, Lion maybe King the Lion too. King is taking place maybe the fucking Lion King takes place in modern times right. we don't know we don't see humans right ever. yeah and then they, they like go to like human cities and stuff like that yeah, too yeah there's like fucking like technology yeah like because they because it's just like they want it to be a goofy funny cartoon so they use all these like references and jokes that you want to be making in these kind of shows and they don't really think about the 
the consequences the setting, of the, right. the questions like, that people are going to be asking. Right. Like, what's, what does this mean for like, what the, the, hell? the Lion King verse? <laughs> It was and then, like, like, the hyenas had their own segment or something, too, I'm pretty sure. Like, every now and then it would be like, did. and, like, let's check in with, like, the three hyenas. Let's just check in with those clusters. <laughs> yeah. But the one in Pooh, I'm pretty sure they, like, get on planes and travel around the world at certain points. I mean, that sounds right. I know that they encounter humans with, like, astonishing regularity in that show. Yeah. It was a good I, I, I fucking loved the one in man. So getting back to... <laughs> let's go back to... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the problem is... This is such an uncompelling movie. That it really is. Timon and Pumbaa is such more interesting than it it's, it's true. I cannot blame you. This movie is so boring that we do have to... We'll talk briefly about um, like like the basic plot of this movie and the characters is this sort of thing. Yeah. Like, the plot, as we've there already is said, only the plot a, is a basic like, plot. It's so episodic and dull. And I remember when we were watching this the first time, I think it was around the time that they were on the Anglerfish, like, you had said, like, where the fuck are we in this movie? <laughs> yeah, like, and like, I, was I was like, yeah, like, I don't know, it could be like 10 minutes, it could be like 30 minutes. Well, yeah, it was, it was like, like almost, only a little more than halfway done, and I was right. like, fucking hell, Is are it, you yeah. kidding me? Especially since, are you really telling me that none, no, like, the angler fit, like, none of these could have been actual, like, sequences or adventures? I mean, or, I like, think they're all, the thing is, like, they're all sequences, it's just that they don't matter, you know? Because I feel like yeah. we're not in a different place when we stop, as opposed to when we stop. Yeah. Me, as opposed to when we started. So it just sort of ends up being that, like, they encounter a thing and they escape from the thing. The siren one is, like, kind of interesting because I, I would I would argue it's the adventure where the most happens. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would say that that's the one where it is important to the story because it's, like, the way that it's on the movie, not that I necessarily like it, but it's, like, where Marina proves herself to be, like, a good useful, sailor. Yeah, literally because and after, Yeah, and after that, the crew, like, respects her and it right. starts this, like, tension between her and Sinbad. And that's, like... An example of, uh, you know, sort of, like, hurdle that you come up with and it elevates the plot. Like, right. it advances things. Yeah. Whereas, like, the anglerfish is, like, they go on an island. They, oh, it's actually a fish. Right. And, and the like, sun oh, is actually the angler. Yeah. yeah. Part of me wonders, if you had axed the anglerfish adventure, would it have at least had a bit of a stronger through line? Because at least with that, you have, like, the thing with the rock is that Sinbad has to rescue her. Yeah. So, like, I guess the point of the rock sequence is Sinbad has to prove that he cares about this person. So yeah. you have, like, the one with the sirens where it's, like, we see that Marina is actually, like, good at what she does and she's a good sailor. Yeah. And she, like, deserves to be on this boat. And then the second one is Sinbad is pissed at her for I don't know his dumb because yeah man reasons you still need a strong reason that's basically the anglerfish is in the middle of that and all of that yeah. really does is 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 give us like more of telling us like wow they really hated yeah right yeah now. they're for fucking no they're slime for no reason because right. all that all that episode is is like they get off the island and start yelling at each other right. and that's why they start they wake up the anglerfish yeah I guess. you could do that on the boat I mean yeah, you have a stronger reason fish. for why Sinbad was mad at her it's like he like basically comes out of the trance and he's like oh you ruined my boat like my what? boat's in such bad shape now it's like you fucking took your boat in between like a bunch of sandy rocks exactly like, and it just seems more it really comes across like he just resents that she did something not, like good yeah. and that, like that means that he's like I don't know. like yeah it's, it, it comes off as like a sort of like emasculating fragile ego kind of thing yeah like, no it, oh, it, it does like it feels very like I don't know like, like elementary school boy sort of yeah. thing where like oh like girl did good thing like I have to pull her hair yeah, and like tell yeah. her how disgusting she is and it's like Ugh. this is like a thirty-something-year-old man, you know, like fucking get over yourself, man. That I mean, yeah, I guess the other rock kind of has a point, because yeah, a lot of it is just like it, it just doesn't feel like cohesive and through line. Yeah, no. I mean, it's but, I not mean, really. The basic plot is like what guy got to get book, right? Got to get book. We don't know why. 
It's no, not we don't yeah. know why. We're just yeah. in pulled that the Just that you got to. It matters. It's very important. Yeah. We literally don't know. You can't tell me one thing that this book We gotta does. cover the one really dumb thing about the plot, which is that they had this, clearly, uh, they wanted to do this, like, f- sort of framing thing, right? Because mm-hmm. they're getting it from that Greek myth where, like, one of them has to sort of take the place of the other one mm-hmm. so that the one that is being framed has to go, like, redeem himself and come back. Yeah. And that's what they wanted to adapt. And they that's fine. Mm-hmm. But they do this thing where, like, you know, he's being framed in the first place by Eris. But then ten minutes before, Eris... That's right. Eris yeah. is like, hey, can you do this thing? And Sinbad is like, sure, I will do this thing. Yeah. And but then she like, immediately shows us it's not necessary. Yeah, and then he doesn't do the thing. Like, I don't know if he forgot or he had too much fun at the party or like, <laughs> he just didn't get around to it yet. And without him doing the thing, she just does the thing and makes right. it look like he did it. So and like, it's like, well, why did you ask? Why in the world is that scene in there? Right. You think like the him? thing that maybe would be is that Eris is trying to just like Eris doesn't outright say I want you to do this. Maybe if Eris was just sort of like angling him to get there. Yeah. If she was just saying like, oh, but you got to go there, don't you? Right. Like, uh, would that be the right exactly, thing to do? Because if he's not there, then how did he do? Yeah. Right. That so like, sense. but I was also thinking that there's part of me that's so I, I don't know the whole thing about like subbing where Proteus is like taking your place. It really falls flat to me from like a character perspective because immediately after doing that, Sinbad is like, well, fuck it. We're going to Fiji. I don't care. Yep. I don't think anything's bad is going to actually happen to him. This doesn't matter to me. Which, first of all, like, it makes it's it very nuts. hard for me to root to this, like, root for this character who is just immediately like, no, I just don't care. There are plenty of movies that have an anti-hero or a character who's going on some sort of journey where he learns why he has to care about this person. We don't have enough about their backstory to care about them in the first place. We don't know really why they get along too well, except that they fought together a couple times, and yeah. I guess Sinbad thought it was pretty cool. Part of me was thinking that maybe a more interesting way to do it would be to have... Eris impersonate Proteus instead of impersonating Sinbad because then the thought could be that like the would-be king of this land is actually like selfish and wants the book for himself for whatever fucking reason you'd want the book and then it creates this whole problem of like Syracuse trying to you know like become more powerful than these other cities and maybe then the story could be like well Proteus is still in jail but Sinbad thinks he has to you know he, he still has to go and find this book because otherwise something will happen to Proteus and so it's not like the subbing thing maybe if Sinbad doesn't feel that the pressure is there or something you know right. like, yeah. like I, I think that it works a little bit better if Sinbad doesn't have, like, this weird... Th- this thing where basically the character says, like, hey, I will die if you don't come back. Yeah. So, like, remember I swapped out. So, like, this is on you. Whereas opposed to in this one, it could just be that, like, Proteus is like, hey, Sinbad, like, please go get that book from me or else they're going to kill me. And Sinbad was like, eh, I don't know if I really want to, you know? Yeah. I think, like, that's a little bit easier for me to get on board with as opposed to, like, we'll do a swapper and then Sinbad's like, well, see you later. Have fun with that. I know. Yeah, no, it's, it's not a good look. Yeah. I mean, just in terms of, like, characters in general, like, they're all kind of duds, right? Like, There's really not much to say about any of them. You can't just really describe any of them with a lot of traits is the issue. Yeah. Sinbad is, like, a selfish, money-grubbing thief kind of character, but he's maybe got heart. Yeah. He's a heart of gold somewhere. That's right. Marina is principled and... wants to adventure. Marina likes the sea, I guess, as as evidenced by her name. Yeah. Uh, Who could have seen that coming? Proteus is a guy. Good boy. Yes, he's a good boy. That's all we got, though. Yeah. Good boy, Paladin. What's that? Good boy, Paladin. It's good boy, Paladin. And, that's, and then the sailors can be described by, like... One trait. Yeah. Which like, is a bummer, because there's so many of them, and you'd think that would be a great spot to put in some kooky supporting characters. No, there's I mean, nothing There's, like, a few... Them. Like, the one thing I do... The one joke that I do... So there's this running gag between two of the sailors who are constantly betting each other about things and like it's not funny it's not nowhere near as clever as the movie thinks it is where like you know Sin Battle will show up and they'll be like oh pay up like I bet you like you, you bet that he would die or something and it's like ah 
Uh, the one thing that I do like is when they're reaching the edge of Tartarus, and like one of them says, like, pay up, it's flat. As they're like approaching right, the end of the, the world, is flat. yeah, which 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 I think is kind of fun. Unfortunately, again, much like the pickle and eggs joke, where they keep referencing all they have to eat is pickle and eggs, just so they can use it as a euphemism for generals later on. It's a very very long walk for very little payoff. Do you think Jeffrey Katzenberg loved the pickle and eggs joke? I bet he fucking loves pickles and eggs. I bet that's his thing. Jeffrey Katzenberg, Diet Coke, pickles and eggs. He's like always favorites. eating that as a meal. Yeah, <laughs> he's like offering notes on scripts. He's just eating his pickles and eggs. <laughs> They're like, have you been in his office? It fucking stinks in there. Barrels of pickles and eggs. It's really bizarre. The, the one thing I would want to talk about real briefly before we go into fixes in the end here is uh, the ending of this movie. So the, the way it basically works is that Eris is kind of done in because she promises Sinbad that she will let him have the book if <sighs> he answers so her stupid. question truthfully. She asks him, will you go back to Syracuse if you don't get the book? And he's like, yes, I will. She's like, you will not. I see through you. You're lying, sir. And so she doesn't give him the book. Sinbad, for whatever reason, then decides to go back to Syracuse in order to die in the place of Proteus. Whenever he goes up to have his head chopped off, the sword shatters into a bunch of magical pieces. Eris shows up and is like, you've got some fucking nerve, mister. And Sinbad's like, aha, like, I see I've tricked you because you gave me your word that I could have the book of peace if I went, if I like answer truthfully. And because I said that I would go back to Syracuse and I did go back to Syracuse, you have to give me the book now. And she's it's... like, well, you got me there and gives him the book and basically like splits at yeah. that point. It, it, I can't begin to describe just by recapping the ending how much of like a fucking wet sock of an ending that ends up feeling yeah we're just like she shows up like huge and angry well, and she's like I, i'm so mad at you and he's like but aha uh-huh, but i've trapped you by logic and she's like curses done in by math again and disappears <laughs> but again that's kind of like from what you told me it was always going to be a wet sock ending because the other well i know eris fucked you but i'm here to unfuck it right right i realized that like there was some deceit happening there so i'll make everything better and You're like, right, though, it is like an uncompelling, unadventurous. It is, and I mean, like, I just, I feel like the better version of this is what we had somewhere watching this is that there's some kind of like Doctor Who, Star Trek, Doctor Strange, Dormammu sort of ending where like you do in this being that you can't possibly ever hope to defeat with some sort of like logical puzzle, and that's what eventually gets you off the hook. It's not really like like a trick or anything because you already have to know this is going to happen. Sinbad should know this is going to happen even though Sinbad seems surprised when Eris shows up and has to do like the beautiful mind meme or something right. in his head with like all the mathematical equations whenever Eris shows up. <laughs> it's not like a surprising twist, you know? I also think that for someone who loves chaos, Eris is really frustrated about rules. She is! And like, what? You, how could you? You've ruined everything. And I'm just like, I don't even, what? I mean, I also feel like if Ares is there, she could knock over some buildings or shit on her way out. You know, like if you're really, if your whole thing is just like chaos is fun, like, I don't know, like take out some some people. Yeah. It's just like, this would feel like it would matter more if we ever saw another god in this movie, maybe, where if you knew that like Zeus was hanging out in Mount Olympus and was like, hey, like Eris, like these are the rules you have to abide by. Remember, like if you do this sort of thing, like that is not cool and I will be very pissed at you so that like I don't know maybe she realizes that she can't do X because Zeus will be mad at her if you right. do X it's also I don't know this movie has a strange belief system where it seems like Eris is all we got we got chaos she's it well which it is weird we don't have other gods in here you'd think that would be a fun thing to play with especially if like ooh Eris is getting in the mix maybe there's another god who you know wanted to work against her for some reason yeah. where was that yeah mm-hmm. instead 
We have Eris. That's all we deserve. <laughs> Eris is all we deserve. We as a people deserve no more than chaos. All right, so having, I think, covered the breadth of this picture, we should go into our fixes. Anyone want to go first? I can, I can start us off Sure, first. start us off, Christopher. It, mine's pretty simple. I This is not a Sinbad story, I guess, in my version of this. Or at least, I think you can have a, an adventure in this Mediterranean setting, but if, if we are going to have Sinbad, we would want to maybe actually include actual, like, stuff from those stories. Maybe that's, like, more fleshed out than just the bird and then an anglerfish instead of a whale. So in this case, I'm thinking Sinbad is already working for Eris. He and his crew are kind of, like, pledged to her in some kind of way. And that in uh, a heist of trying to get the Book of the Fates, that's what we're going to call it instead of Book of Peace, because I think Book of Peace sounds very dumb, she kind of dicks the crew over and leaves them holding the bag, basically. And we'll have it be very specific that the Book of the Fates, in this case, is like a cornerstone to keeping Syracuse, like, together. Somehow, without it, they can't, you know, properly keep the protection of the gods this or some shit. so much of, like, the fucking Atlantis crystal. Like, not yours in particular. Oh. But, like, I'm just thinking, like, in general, this concept of the Book of Peace reminds me of, like, the fucking thing in Atlantis. But, like, oh, no, don't take the big crystal right. or Atlantis will die, question mark. I guess, sort of. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, keep going. Well, so I think in that case, yeah, it's going to be, like, they, they need it or else the kingdom is going to be fucked. I think instead of having just a bunch of events that are like, ah, we're being attacked by a thing... I think I would like for it to have each member of the crew kind of has their own backstory of how, like, Eris maybe snared them into doing her dirty work, and that it's with both Proteus and Marina on board, they are kind of showing their worth and discovering their, like, the hero inside of themselves in these little micro-adventures that they're having. So I don't want it to just be, like, they're the peanut gallery while Marina and Sinbad, like, snipe at each other and do things. I would like They're more... so sexy though when they snipe. Oh, so hot. Oh. They snipe each other with uh, they no scope off. <laughs> no scope three sixty. Yeah. Um, but I'm I would really like good it to... at no scope offing. <laughs> <laughs> I would like it to be like I like the 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 sirens thing with Marina is cool, but like maybe uh, maybe Kale is like a, an incredible tracker and he's able to like figure out. Oh my god, we're on a giant fish. I mean, he does have super pointy nips, so maybe he could use those for some reason <laughs> to douse. Maybe like find. Uh, we're just like in battles, right? <laughs> like if you run charging up against someone. But like you, you, you have the old. You have the two people in the bets. You have the the Asian brothers. I was like, there's so much you could do with that. Uh, that it's racist to assume they're brothers, Chris. Fine, but you could just have them do things. And I, I felt like those little miniature adventures and sequences. Let's spread them. Let's give them to these other characters, give them more to do. Um, I think in this case, it's going to be about them basically just trying to get back the things maybe Eris took from them as, like, collateral or a way to, like, keep them under her thumb. So it's more about breaking free of her than just, like, oh my god, we have to get this MacGuffin and bring it back to Syracuse. I have almost nothing, because (laughs) you get what you give. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. This movie gave me nothing, so you get very little back. (laughs) So, I mean, I thought it was interesting when you uh, went into like the origin of of this script and how like the iter- the different iterations and how it was like Sinbad was like the produce the executive thing and then somebody else was like well I want to do a thing about this like Greek myth of these two boys and I was like that's because it's because that's the only thing I latched onto is like 
I liked that. Mm-hmm. I so I my pitch my nuts like the Sinbad Bros Before Hose edition. <laughs> uh, like, yes, it's a sausage fest, but we just take Marina out because I fucking hate that element of it. Like because she's not a well written female character. No, 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 no. she's just a strong female character. Yeah. And, like that's it. Very you can, you, know, fucking, you can make it two women. You can make it a guy and a woman. Yeah, I don't care what you do with these two characters, but the, but it's about these two friends. You know, one of them is a prince. Maybe the other one is also prince. I don't know. I haven't thought too much about it except that they were. You know, the one, the Proteus character is, like, you know, a important figure in society. Mm-hmm. Either he's a prince or he's, like, you know, a high-up figure in, in the ruling. A lord. Yeah, like a lord or something. And the other one is, like, some sort of scoundrelly, like, or renegade or, like, layabout. But he used to be bros with this mm-hmm. guy. And they, they, they were up and coming together. And then something happened... Some sort of schism where, you know, he left, and we don't really know what it was about. And I would get more into that in the movie, because you'd have to if the movie's about them. Like, mm, get some, right. like you don't really care about the Proteus swap, because you don't understand why they care about each other. Yeah. Right. Because you don't have anything to... You don't know anything about their relationship or their friendship. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Friends. But there's certain things you could do. There's, like, there's the classic, like... The story goes that uh, Proteus saved Sinbad when they were young and then, like, took him in, but then you find out that, like, actually it was the other way around and Sinbad saved Proteus, but that doesn't make for good press because Proteus is the prince and, like, you know, some sort of reveal like that or there's a bunch of other things you could do with that, but, like, there's some sort of thing there and there's some sort of interesting reason why Sinbad fucked off even though he could have had, like, a really good life as, like, a general or, or, like, a, you know, a lord or something or an advisor. But in modern day, you have this element where there is this MacGuffin that isn't, also isn't the Book of Peace that you understand (laughs) what it does. And I don't even think it needs to be, like, magical. I think it just needs to be, like, symbolic. It just needs to be important to the people to the extent that, like, if you don't have it, someone's gonna have to die for it. And I liked the idea of the swap being this thing that Proteus does that it's sort of like a card that he could have pulled for the past 20 years but he's never pulled. Right. But it's like the one card that makes in bed go like, now I have to care about shit again. Because mm-hmm. like, they, it wasn't, even though like he left, like it wasn't ever about like their friendship being over. It was just kind of like, I don't want it to do with this life or something like that. But yeah. like, he's always going to stand Proteus. <laughs> <laughs> we have like, no yeah. Stan Proteus. He's, like, he's he, him and Proteus have always been ride or die. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's the one thing that Proteus can do to like, try to get this thing back. Uh, because he knows that like, you know, Ace and Ben's going to do it. And like, if anyone can get this thing back, it's going to be this guy. So like, I'm going to pull that card. I'm going to put myself on the line and that's going to be the thing that makes him go do it. Mm. And there'd probably be some arc again, relating to the schism, like why he left in the first first place maybe like maybe he didn't want their responsibility blah 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 relating to it's probably like more about Sinbad and a personal growth of his uh-huh. and, yeah and the friendship is like an element that I think is a catalyst for the plot and maybe part of the personal growth is relating to that friendship but it's most it's not really about the two of their friendship it's about how that like friendship informs Sinbad's growth into like figuring out what he should be doing for the rest of his life that isn't aimlessly wandering the seven seas. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so I, I guess the thing that I kind of latched onto for mine is that I like the one thing that I liked about this movie was Eris. So I, I think watching this kind of just makes me think of like some animated version of Clash of the Titans. Where it's just a bunch of, like, gods being petty bitches and influencing <laughs> worlds, favoring different people to try and get whatever bullshit task it is that they want to get done. So really what I kind of want in this version is I want more of that. I want more gods showing up, favoring different people, assisting different people. And being petty and ridiculous. Right, which is what they do. They're fucking bullshit, like, dumbass babies. Like, mm-hmm. that's what the Greek gods were. I love it. It's wonderful. It makes perfect sense to me that those are your gods. Much like Lee, I kind of latched onto the thing about the um, the little swaparoo that they have going on between the two of them. It's it's strange because in this movie, 
Sinbad implies, I guess, that he's known who Marina was for a long time. That he, like, saw her when he was, like, younger, and that's what made him leave Syracuse. Yeah. And so, like, I guess he knows who she is, but, like, did, they never spent any time together, I suppose. So it's just super weird that, like, their only real connection is that, like, he saw her when he was younger. He was like, I gotta split. Like, if she marries my best buddy, I'm gonna be really sad, so I better just leave. He comes back, sees her again, is like, boy, I'm still really sad about this. But, like... They've never spent any time together, so I think it would kind of make more interesting if, like, the three of these characters kind of knew each other growing up, I yeah. suppose. Like, if they'd actually spent some time together and were able to develop as characters. You have the sort of swaparoo, and you've got the Sinbad character and the Marina character on the boat. You can sort of build off of the relationship that they already have. You can have her there to explain sort of the connection that he and Proteus have, and I would guess that if they... If in this version there was some sort of falling out between them, I think it would just be the fact that, like, I think Proteus probably encountered Sinbad as, like, kind of an orphan. Like, his family, like, kind of took him in. And Proteus is like, my life is really cool. Like, Sinbad, stick around. Like, this is going to be really fucking great for you. Like, you're going to love it here in Syracuse. Like, we're never going to leave. It's going to be great. And Sinbad's like, actually, like, I find this incredibly stifling. I can't just stick around and be, like, the, you know, the number two to you this entire time. i got to find out, like, what my own deal is. And Proteus, for whatever reason, views that as some sort of, like, personal front to like everything nice he ever did for uh, Sinbad so like that's kind of like what that uh, has to do with there and also frankly you know if this relationship between the two of them were as gay as the road to El Dorado uh, I would be more on board with it <laughs> I've never seen that should I? Uh, pretty gay is it good? pretty gay did you yeah. like it? yeah it's pretty gay it's good it is good <laughs> it is um, how gay is it though? I will pretty gay I actually I considered doing it for this podcast instead of this movie and I was like but you know what like there's too much that's actually working in that movie yeah because well, it's a classic like like on the road style, yeah. like r- like comedy. Yeah, I think like the like the act two is kind of flabby and weak. By and large, I think it works as a movie. You know, like yeah, I, I I think there is more to it that's good than bad. So that's why I couldn't, in good conscience, su- suggest we do Road to El Dorado. Mm-hmm. But that that was something I considered. But you know, hey, DreamWorks has already done a movie where like the two guys are effectively in a relationship with each other. Hey, why not do that again? If you're going to base it off of this sort of like timeless tale of the Pythagorean friendship idea, <laughs> yeah. let's just go out and say like. Yeah, they're probably a little gay for each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, be fine. he's got me there. Wouldn't that be fine? Yep, I'm on board with it. More stories in general need to be about, like, I don't care if it's sexual or not, but just ride or die friendships. Yeah, yeah I agree. Just, like... Why are there, there's not, I feel like there's not a lot of movies about Well, I, and again, I think that kind of does go back to, like, one of the few things I did like about the earlier version of this. Marina or Roxanne is not just, oh, you have to end up with the girl. It's yeah, just yeah, sort yeah. of like, there's a version of this where, like, no, you don't end up with the girl. And you know what? That's totally fine. Yeah. You're friends with this guy. You like this girl. You realize it's a bad thing. And you know what? Good for you. Like, mm-hmm. go on and live the rest of your life. Figure your shit out. I think there is, not to get too serious about it, and especially not off of something so dumb and thin like the, the Sinbad movie we just watched. But I feel like there is, we contribute so much and so often to this idea that there must be romance between men and women in any and all contexts through our media in a way that I'm like, I feel like we need to just start communicating that sometimes it doesn't have to happen. So maybe that shouldn't be an expectation going into every interaction, you know? Yeah. It's also just like more interesting. Give me something different. (laughs) Right. I do kind of hope, I feel like there is like the potential for a trend in kids anime movies to like veer away from the concept of like everyone must be paired off like salt and pepper shakers at the end of the movie (laughs) like you have a little bit of that in Frozen where like Elsa never gets with anyone and it's totally fine I mean like again like Wreck-It Ralph is more of a story about two friends and he's gonna wreck it he does wreck it oh boy he wreck it so you know maybe we will get to a point where we can start telling children like you know what it's okay for you to be (laughs) friends with a woman and if you're not ever like a couple then that's good too that's fine too Yeah. yeah 
Uh, would you recommend this movie? No. No. No, I don't think so. No, there is apparently some sort of supercut on YouTube of Eris footage. Just watch, watch that. that. It's so much better. Yeah. I feel like I didn't really talk about voice acting in this movie at all, but Michelle Pfeiffer is really the only one who I think does a good job. Yes. Uh, a lot of it really just falls into the DreamWorks mold of like, who is the biggest celebrity we can possibly get for this role? Throw them in. Like, regardless of how good they are, regardless it's, of how well their voices suit different anime medium. It blew my mind, Brendan, that you were telling us earlier that like, they had Michelle Pfeiffer take it a bunch of different times, her lines, her line readings because uh, like one time it's too sexy and the other time just wasn't exciting enough and I holy fuck she is the only one giving you a good performance yeah. in I this mean, movie I mean I don't know like you know maybe it wasn't working until the end you know maybe Michelle Pfeiffer just it would not surprise me maybe Michelle Pfeiffer couldn't get a grasp of like who the fuck this character actually was you know was no character. right so like maybe she was just sort of like throwing her hands up near being like I don't know what to tell you like tell me what to do and I will try and do it for you um, but like I feel like with something like Joseph Fiennes even like He's fine. I, I, he's Joseph Fiennes. He's he's fine. He's fine. But like, I wouldn't even know this was him. You know, no. if you like, almost honestly, I could probably recognize Catherine Zeta Jones because I, know I don't think I could recognize Brad Pitt. Though. I don't think I recognize Brad Pitt either. Like, this is the thing with so many of these movies. It's more about like throwing their names on a poster in a trailer and being like, Brad Pitt it's, is Sinbad. But it's like, is he Sinbad? It's similar having. Um, I had this similar feeling of uh, George Clooney and Meryl Streep being in the Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm. It's to a point where I'm like, well, if it's just your voice, I guess I'm just not that impressed. Sorry. Yeah. Like, the voice really isn't what I'm here for when yeah. it comes to you, I guess. I mean, this was and something... So it's just like, Sorry. in that way, like, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Michelle Pfeiffer do have distinct ways of speaking both on their own, but also in the context of the movie. Brad Pitt and Joseph Fiennes have neither. Yeah. They're not doing anything in the movie. They don't have anything that they're bringing on their own to set themselves apart. So they kind of just sound like rando Random guys, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is all kind of like a post-Aladdin problem that we created when it was like, once we decided that like, oh, Robin Williams is the genie that like threw the door open. Fuck, we got to get as many celebrities in these movies as we possibly can. DreamWorks is almost notoriously bad at this. Yes. Like a lot of the casting choices for DreamWorks movies just don't work. They seem to be more like, kids love Rihanna. What if she played like a six year old girl like yeah oh, sure right why shouldn't rihanna what if Bolt? jim parsons played an alien what folks wasn't that the home. rihanna it was movie called home oh home yeah with jim parsons as an alien huh. and so it's just like i don't know because like jim parsons is in a show so he plays like a weird autistic man baby in that show sure. he's probably a good alien people like rihanna she could probably be a child didn't dreamworks also do like shark's tale and yeah. like mercury and... jones what? I can't. Osmosis? Osmosis Jones. No, that was Warner Brothers. Oh, was. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just sort of like, there, there's like, there needs to be a balance between if you must have a bankable name, sure, but also like finding someone whose voice has a certain quality to it that lends itself to or this kind of thing. That could they give something to the character? Like, I know it's a kid's movie, but you can put like a little bit of effort in. It's okay. Yeah. I, voice acting is odd for me because a lot of my knowledge of what voice acting is like comes from anime where mm -hmm. it's nuts mm -hmm. and I hate it there too. <laughs> uh, I really have to think of like Disney movies, I think, mm -hmm. because to me, that's like, maybe there's just a cultural gap of like, is it feels like Japanese voice actors are always doing these like ridiculous voices that nobody has in real life, inflections <laughs> that nobody would use in real life. Very theatrical. Yes. And over the top and yeah. at 11 at all times. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like, then you could talk about anime dubs where it's like people doing that in English. Right. It's also over the very top. Very weird. Yeah. And just, yeah, hyper and like, I hate it. It doesn't feel very like naturalistic. Like, I don't know, like Disney, classic Disney movies are like what I, the only things I can think of of like that's what I like and sometimes they do use names and it works fine yeah no but I, I, I don't know like, the differences between here and Zinbad like I don't know what yeah. they're missing 
you know, ingredient was. I mean, I just think of like Tom Hanks in Toy Story, and it's like, that's good. Like, Tom Hanks, one of the biggest stars ever, yeah. he's a good Woody. I don't know what it is he that. He fits the character. Right. I don't know, like, what well, it is. You know, Robin Williams is the genie. That right. That's fucking gold. Yeah. It's, it's not like there's a role that I can say, like, this is what you need for it to work, but yeah. it's just like, there is something, I think, to be said between if you want someone who's a name, there is a quality that you have to be looking out for with their performances that you're just not always getting. Yeah, and it is weird. You know, I know that Brad Pitt can act. I'm not like a huge Brad Pitt yeah. fan. I know he can act. I don't know what happened here. Yeah, I mean, I also think it's just that like not every big star can do voice acting. You yeah. know, like it's a different field. I, I think there's something I don't. I don't know. Maybe just like knowing that they're not getting any of your actions on screen. You're just trying to compensate by doing your voice, or like yeah. you're maybe not able to bring the level you might normally bring because it's just your voice. I really right. don't know, but I it think it, it's like, like it's didn't, a, yeah, because it, it, it feels like Rupert didn't do any, you know, it feels like he, it feels like he kind of slept a lot through it. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, well, it didn't seem like, this is going to sound so nitpicky, but like, I feel like you could say that Michelle Pfeiffer made choices. Yeah. I don't think you could say Brad Pitt made a lot of choices. Yeah, I don't think movie. I would say anyone else in this movie really made character choices. Was it the only time or the first time that Pfeiffer had done voice acting? Uh, you know, I'm not actually That's sure about that. That's a great this. question. She yeah. said that she had a bad experience doing it and <laughs> They kept giving her different notes, and she was like, I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the quote was, she literally said, like, if you want to fire me, just go ahead and fire me. Yeah. Which, like, oh, poor Michelle Honey, Pfeiffer. I don't need this job. <laughs> She's Michelle she, Pfeiffer. There's I mean, another mediocre movie for her to kill that, She probably didn't need this job. I'm sure she did. Yeah. I'm sure, I think a lot of times it's one of those things where it's like, I've got kids. I'd like for those kids yeah. to be able to see a movie that I'm in, you know? Yeah. So, like, sure, sure I'll do your animated movie. Why not? I'll be in Harry Potter. Y'all, she's done exactly three voice roles. What so maybe mean? she's just really not that experienced with it. Eris, as we know, yeah. she was also in The Prince of Egypt. She uh, was in The Prince of Egypt? Yeah, she Who was. Who the fuck uh, was she in The Prince of Egypt? Uh, Sabora? I don't know. Oh, she's Moses' wife. Zipporah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's fucking Moses' wife. And then she was in a 1989 episode of The Simpsons as, yes! as, as Mindy. Mindy Simmons. Yeah, that's right. She was on The Simpsons. Wow. So it's like really DreamWorks of The Simpsons. Yeah. So she really hadn't... It is, again, maybe A, she's just not used to voice acting, but B, you could have fucking fooled me. She was the only one who seemed to like have yes. a character. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, we got a little sidetracked, but yeah, no recommends for this movie. No, um, there's better Pfeiffer. There's yeah. better Captain Zeta Jones. There's better although, animated movies. There's well, better. Welcome back movies. to the pod, ladies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is number four for both Captain Zeta Jones and Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Sorry, we love you both. We love you both. This was not yes. a good movie for you. We'll be back in two weeks with a mini episode. Facebook.com slash whywatchpodcast is our website. You can go on there, give us a like. You can rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Smash that subscribe button, babies. And like I said, two weeks, mini episode. Let's buy it out. Bye! Bye.